Why the sun and the moon live in the sky. Many years ago, the sun and water were great friends and both lived on the earth together. The sun very often used to visit the water, but the water never returned his visits. At last, the sun asked the water why it was that he had never come to see him in his home. The water replied that the sun's house was not big enough and that if he came with his people, he would drive the sun out. He then said, If you wish me to visit you, you must build a very large compound, but I warn you that it will have to be a tremendous place, as my people are very numerous and take up a lot of room. The son promised to build a very big compound, and soon afterwards he returned home to his wife, the moon, who greeted him with a broad smile when he opened the door. The son told the moon what he had promised the water, and the next day they commenced to building a huge compound in which to entertain his friend. When it was completed, he asked the water to come and visit him the next day. When the water arrived, he called out to the sun and asked whether it would be safe for him to enter, and the sun answered, Yes, come in, my friend. The water began to flow in, accompanied by the fish and all the other water animals. Very soon, the water was knee-deep, so he asked the sun if it was still safe, and the sun again said yes, so more water came in. When the water was level with the top of a man's head, the water said to the sun, do you want more of my people to come? And the sun and the moon both answered, Yes, not knowing any better. So the water flowed on until the sun and the moon had perched themselves on top of the roof. Again, the water addressed the sun, but received the same answer, and more of his people came rushing in. The water very soon overflowed the top of the roof and the sun and the moon were forced to go up into the sky where they have remained ever since. The end. The Story of Lightning and Thunder In the olden days, the thunder and lightning lived on earth amongst all the other people, but the king made them live at the far end of town as far as possible from other people's houses. The thunder was an old mother sheep, and the lightning was her son, a ram. Whenever the ram got angry, he used to go about and burn houses and knock down trees. He even did damage on the farms and sometimes killed people. Whenever the lightning did these things, his mother used to call out to him in a very loud voice to stop and not to do any more damage. But Lightning did not care in the least for what his mother said, and when he was in a bad mood, used to do a large amount of damage. At last, the people could not stand it any longer, and complained to the king. So the king made a special order that the sheep, Thunder, and her son, the ram, Lightning, should leave the town and live in the far bush. This did not do much good, as when the ram got angry, he still burned down the forest, and the flames sometimes spread to the farms and consumed them. So the people complained again, 
And the king banished both lightning and thunder from the earth and made them live in the sky, where they could not cause so much destruction. Ever since, when lightning is angry, he commits damage as before, but you can hear his mother, the thunder, rebuking him and telling him to stop. Sometimes, however, when the mother has gone away some distance from her naughty son, you can still see that he is angry and is doing damage, but his mother's voice cannot be heard. The end. How Zebras Got Their Stripes Long ago, when this story begins, the world had just one zebra, and he wasn't black and white striped like zebras today. Apart from his jet black mane, this zebra was creamy white all over. He lived with a giraffe, an elephant, and a greedy baboon. They lived beside a deep pond. They should have been perfectly happy, but the baboon was a selfish creature who refused to share his pond with any of them. This is my pond, he declared. You can all keep away. And he would dance a splashy dance and guzzle the, the delicious water. The others grew angry. But we're thirsty, they said. And there's plenty of water. Don't care, said Baboon rudely. You're not getting any. That afternoon, Giraffe crept to the pond. Baboon roared at him. Go away, he yelled, jumping up and down and waving his arms in the air. Giraffe fled. Next, Elephant lumbered over to the pond. Before the tip of his trunk could touch the water, Baboon leaped out from behind a tree. Go away, he hollered, jumping up and down and beating his fist on his chest. At last, Zebra walked up. Go away, yelled Baboon. Zebra ignored him and stamped a hoof. It's not your pond, he said. It belongs to all of us, and you must share it. No, said Baboon, I won't. Now stop bothering me. He turned away, muttering to himself. I'll show them it's my pond, he thought, and he went off to gather an armful of sticks. He piled them by the pond and lit a fire. That will keep those annoyances away, he said, looking at the fire with satisfaction. Zebra wasn't in the least bit scared by the fire. With a snort and a shake of his mane, he galloped to Baboon and kicked him hard. Baboon shot up into the air. So did the sooty sticks from the fire. They both came tumbling down again. The sticks landed on Zebra. Baboon landed on his bottom, smack in the middle of the fire. Ever since then, Zebras have had black stripes, and baboons have had red bottoms. The end. Anansi and the Bag of Wisdom This is the story of how wisdom came to the world, and it starts with a spider. Anansi was king of the spiders. He lived deep in Africa, among arrogant giraffes, friendly zebras, and chattering monkeys. One afternoon, as he basked in the sun, the sky god appeared before him. Anansi, said the god, I have a very important job for you. Something only a king can do, I suspect, Anansi said, nodding. 
The god held out a patterned bag. This bag contains all the wisdom in the world. All of it, said a Nazi in excitement. Every last scrap, said the god. I'm giving it to you, but I want you to spread it around. Promise me you'll share it. If you want, Anansi said carelessly. As soon as the god had left, he looked in the bag. It was bursting with brilliant ideas. Anansi frowned. He didn't see why he should share the wisdom with the giraffes, the zebras, and the monkeys, or the humans he saw sometimes. I'm going to keep it all to myself, he decided. I'll be the cleverest, wisest creature in the world, and even the sky god won't be able to outwit me. I'd better hide the bag. Clutching it tightly, he scurried off to the tallest tree he could see. Then he hooked the bag around his neck so it would hang down in front of him. A Nazi's son had seen the god give his father the bag and followed him. What are you doing, dad? he asked. Oh, just putting this old bag in the tree out of the way, a Nazi replied with a shrug. He began to climb the trunk, but the bag banged against his middle, and he kept losing his hold on the tree and falling to the ground. After watching his father fall off for the fourth time, his son made a suggestion. Why don't you put the bag on your back, he said. It won't get in the way, and you'll be able to climb the tree. A Nazi twisted the bag around, and soon it was on his back, and he tried again. His son was right. He scuttled up the tree in no time. But he wasn't happy. He was outraged. How did you know I needed to put the bag on my back? He shouted to his son. I'm the one with the bag of wisdom. I should have known the answer for myself. With a scowl, he ripped the bag from his back and threw it from the tree. The bag went plummeting to the ground and burst open. Wisdom flew out, curling up into the air, and floated away on a warm breeze. It reached into every corner of the world. And that is why today everyone knows something, but no one knows everything. The End